Well, everyone, welcome back to the Ranking Presidents Podcast. I'm Bradley Cooper. And I am Curtis Cooper. We are doing the second part of Mr. Billiam Clinton. Yes, so last time we discussed his early life and his foreign policy. So today we're going to be discussing his domestic policy as well as a certain scandal and, you know, just just the, the, so the scandals in general. So content warning, once it gets to my part, we're going to be a little R-rated, let's just say. Yeah, it's going to be R-rated. Plug your kids' ears or uh, don't let them listen to this. Yes. So, Curtis, can you tell us what was his domestic policy like? Uh, yeah, so um, Bill Clinton began his transition into the presidency promising to focus, quote, like a laser beam. <laughs> I can't do a Bill, good Bill Clinton no, accent. No, I can't either. It's just, it just kind of defaults to, like, generic, like, southerner. Yeah. Well, he had a folk CPU. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he promised to focus like a laser beam on the economic needs of the nation. Unemployment, the runaway deficit, the health care crisis, and welfare reform. On all fronts but one healthcare reform, he succeeded significantly, but not completely. Mm. By the end of the fir- by the end of his first year, Clinton had battled Congress to secure adoption of an economic package that combined tax increases, which fell mainly on the upper class, and spending cuts, which hurt mainly impoverished Americans. <laughs> so well. just screw it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm just making everyone upset. His 1993 economic package passed without a single Republican vote in either chamber of Congress. Which I think is interesting because um, I think oftentimes we look at today and we're like, oh, man, it's so polarized today. Yeah. Like, man, like everybody's just clutching their pearls, especially moderates. Yeah. They're like, well, people just can't be civil anymore. Yeah. Guess what? Everybody, like, this has always happened. Yeah. People are partisan little mother effers. Yeah. Let's not forget that we had a civil war over this partisanship. So, Literally. You know, it's a... Uh... Yeah, there's we'll nothing. Get, there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. and we'll get to some crazy partisanship later when we get to oh, the, yeah. uh, the impeachment. <laughs> His uh, okay, so um, it passed without a single Republican vote, um, and despite um, that, the Republican Party's dire predictions that it would result in economic chaos. This economic policy lowered the deficit from two ninety billion in ninety two to two hundred three billion by ninety four. Mm-hmm. By ninety nine, surging tax revenues from a booming economy had generated a surplus of one hundred twenty four billion a development few would have thought possible in 92. Yeah, that's kind of Clinton's big claim to fame is that, you know, I left with a surplus. Yep. Bush pissed it away. Yep, yep. Fiscally responsible. That doesn't sound like a Democrat. Nope. Surpluses amounting to $1.5 were then projected for the first decade of the 21st century. Equally important were the pace of economic growth and low inflation. Combined with historically low interest and unemployment rates, these pac- these factors position the American economy as the world's strongest and most robust. Mm. Like you said, definitely his claim to fame. Yes. On some other issues, like the passage of NAFTA, which cleared Congress in 1993, Clinton essentially endorsed Republican programs and benefited from Republican support. That is interesting, because I've heard many Republican people complain about NAFTA. Yeah. I've heard a it, lot. Though. Definitely a little flip-flopping over the years yeah, on that. yeah. On others, like welfare reform, the Republican-controlled Congress accepted Clinton's lead in publicizing the issues, but dominated the writing of legislation creating the actual programs. Ah, I see. There's always a catch. Yep. In the summer of 96, that's when I was born, Congress passed a sweeping reform bill, fulfilling Clinton's 92 campaign promise to, quote, end welfare as we know it. Oh, boy. That is some real goonery right there. Yep. The legislation replaced the long-standing aid to families with 
Aid to Families with Dependent Children, AFDC program, with a system of block grants to individual states. States rights! Okay, so quick side note here. Do you think part of the reason why Bill Clinton is being more moderate here is just because after the country had swung far to the right with Ronald Reagan, he kind of had to be a little bit more of a moderate Democrat to get things done? I mean, basically what Biden is. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, like kind of of like, um, I feel like, modern democrats and like i feel like clinton was positioned as the first modern democrat yeah um we're kind of have always kind of been positioned as like having to be moderate yeah yeah but there, there's always kind of been a left wing to the party yeah it's just that that left wing has grown stronger in recent years definitely, definitely. More, vocal. Yeah, more vocal it also dropped the eligibility of legal immigrant immigrants for welfare assistance during the first five years of their residency Clinton Clinton also won an increase in the minimum wage to five fifteen per hour. Okay. At the same time, the president blocked Republican attempts to bar public education to children of illegal immigrants. So definitely, he's towing the line. Yeah, for sure. During the ninety-two presidential campaign, Clinton had also vowed to end the exclusion of LGBT people from military service. Ah, okay. Here we we, we, we had stuff. to talk. We had to talk about. It. Yes. A federal court ruling just days after Clinton's election moved that controversial topic onto the public agenda, where it was difficult for the president to set it aside until a more convenient time. Mm -hmm. A political fight ensued with conservative members of Congress and the leadership of the armed forces. Clinton compromised by agreeing to delay a decision on gays in the military for six months. He ultimately proposed a policy of... Don't Don't ask, ask, don't don't tell. tell... Meaning that the military services would not ask about the sexual orientation of service personnel, and that these personnel, in turn, would not be required to divulge this information. So, it's kind of, it's better than before. It's not the best, but it's better. And I have to say, like, so, gay marriage was obviously a huge debate when we were growing up as kids. Definitely. So, I can only imagine how huge it was when we were either not born yet or babies. The 90s, yep. I can only imagine how huge this was. So I gotta mm-hmm. give him some points for tackling it. Yeah. I mean, and, and definitely, like, I think you can absolutely categorize it as progress. Yes. The compromise seemed to satisfy few people. Of course. Liberals and gays felt betrayed by the president, and mm-hmm. conservatives overrode the administration's executive direction, directive by writing a more restrictive policy into law and a defense authorization bill. Those damn defense bills. Yep. But the controversy knocked the administration off balance politically at the very outset of the first term. Mm. During his campaign in 92, Clinton had also promised to form a cabinet, quote, that looked like America. Mm, look like America, eh? <laughs> Having lost two female candidates to early controversy, Clinton finally settled on Florida prosecutor Janet Reno for attorney general. Clinton went on to name three other women to cabinet positions. Donna E. Shalala who had been chancellor at the University of Wisconsin at Madison Mm -hmm. as Secretary of Health and Human Services, Hazel O'Leary, an African-American woman, as Secretary of Energy, and Madeleine K. Albright as as Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. You know, the great irony of Bill Clinton is the fact that... (laughs) One of the many great ironies. One of the great main ironies is that he was raised by strong women, and he seemed to really respect strong women, but he also had all these various... um, questionable sexual encounters with yep, women, too. Yep, yep, yep. It's very interesting. It's like, well, absolute power yep. corrupts absolutely. That's fair. Along with the political scandals that plagued his presidency, Clinton failed to realize a major goal of his administration, affordable health care insurance for every American. 
Yes. Had to go a little Obama there. Yep, there we go. The United States is the only industrialized nation in the world without a universal health care system. Mm-hmm. The very moderate Miller Center writes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, you know it's real when they say it. Yep. They, they tend to be very moderate. Mm-hmm. And Clinton felt passionately about the fact that 60 million Americans did not have adequate health insurance. Mm-hmm. In addition, health care costs had skyrocketed yes. since the 1970s. Yes. Consuming, according to some estimates, one-seventh of the nation's goods and services, mm-hmm. a greater proportion than that of any other industrialized country in the world. Mm-hmm. Winning a national health package would have provided Clinton with a lasting historical legacy, much as FDR had achieved with the Social Security. In the minds of some, Clinton's health care program, if realized, would have constituted the most important piece of social legislation in American history. Mm. It's very interesting, because I don't know if we think of Obamacare the same way. We more think of Obamacare as kind of like... A half step. Yeah, it's a half step, whereas this this was a real chance. Yeah. The consequences of health care reform were enormous. Mm -hmm. If Clinton could control health care costs, he could remove a major drag on the economy. From a political standpoint, universal health care would link the middle class and the working class to the Democratic Party for at least another generation. Huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Republicans understood the implications of such a victory and were, with rare exceptions, united in their determination to deny Clinton on this issue. Mm Mm-hmm. Many Americans, while wanting health insurance, worried, too, that national health insurance was socialistic. Ah, yes, there's that S word. Yep. A step that would deny Americans the right to see a doctor of their choice while placing physicians in the service of a government bureaucracy. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say, like, you don't really have a choice if you don't have insurance because it's you're going to have to pay out the ass regardless. Yep, and then you just die. Exactly. Now, I will say there... There actually was an interesting, not necessarily counterpoint, but there was this one video I was watched by a German guy on YouTube called Kraut, the interesting thing, that in many countries that have successful programs, like healthcare programs, they also combine it with a heavy government focus on, like, the health of the citizens, like, oh, we're going to, like, tax these foods that aren't healthy, or we're going to encourage you to exercise and do all this. So I can see where that element would be really hard to impose. Oh, Americans would be so offended. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, it's also like a cultural thing. So we have a culture of driving cars everywhere. Yeah. Whereas in European cultures, people walk around everywhere, and that tends to help your health. So Yeah, like, I I follow a few people on, like, Twitter who, like, are from European countries, and they're like, I find the fact that I have to drive everywhere in America, like, insulting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, like, it's ugly, and, like, there's smog everywhere, and, like, I can understand why, like... Yeah. A bike economy is a lot better for people yeah. health-wise. So, but the healthcare thing didn't work for him. To push through a healthcare reform bill in his first 100 days in office, Clinton named his wife, Hillary Rodham Clinton, mm. head of a task force. <laughs> <laughs> and that made people pretty upset. <laughs> uh, to develop program and era, wow, that's a real name. Era Magaziner. <laughs> era Magaziner. <laughs> As its director. <laughs> it's automatically going to fail when you have a name like that. I'm yep. sorry, Miss Era. I also love how, how Miller Center introduces Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, a hard-driving, forceful, and committed feminist <laughs> with a distinguished legal career, <laughs> was Clinton's closest political confidant, his true partner in his political career. Yes. The president appointed her to head the task force, which would be administered by Magaziner. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's got to be a better way to pronounce it. Yeah. Because he knew that she cared deeply about the issue and that, quote, if anybody had a chance to do it, she had the best chance. Mm-hmm. Hillary had led a commission on education reform in Arkansas for her husband yes. to critical acclaim. And the president wanted her to do the same thing for health care nationally. 
The appointment of Hillary was a serious mistake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It immediately placed the First Lady in a position of being a major policy and political power, an appointment that deviated significantly from precedent, allowing critics to attack her as well as the program. Yeah, because previously the First Ladies were kind of almost viewed like prince like the queen essentially. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not supposed to have real power they're just supposed to look pretty yep. and you know be presentable and throw parties yep and to support the president's nuclear family exactly moreover her unique relationship with the president unique <laughs> meant that other advisors reacted to her differently than they would to any other task force head not wanting to alienate the president's wife with difficult but well-intentioned criticism mm. i mean hillary's also like a really like strong personality so i don't get the sense that she would react super well to criticism anyway yeah, and another thing about Hillary, I don't know if you mentioned this later, but Hillary Clinton offended many traditional women because she once said, well, I mean, I could stay at home making cookies. <laughs> and of course, like, conservatives took that and ran with it, saying yep. she, she's insulting stay-at-home moms. and Yep, yep. The working, fa- working class families. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, like, if... I don't, I wonder why Eleanor didn't get more criticism. I guess she was more quiet about her work. Yeah, and yeah. same with um, Ola. What was Woodrow Wilson's yep, wife? Yep, yep, yep. I yep. forget what her first name was. I forget it too. Shame but. on us. Yep. But she was a badass. Yes. Hillary also blundered in several important ways. Her decision to recruit a task force network of experts to work in secret on complex issues, oh boy. <laughs> such as healthcare premiums, managed competition, and healthcare alliances, looked too much like policy by cabal and fiat. Mm. <laughs> Oof, yikes. A federal court forced her to make records publicly available of some of the proceedings, after some in the healthcare industry sued for open access. Yeah, the healthcare industry is going to do that. Yep. Most importantly, the process largely left Congress out of the picture, as the task force drafted the particulars of the plan, thus reducing the plan's chances for legislative success. Clinton had wanted to present to Congress a finished package, which meant that key participants in the congressional lawmaking process were not involved in its drafting. Moreover, there was significant internal disagreement within the administration about the costs of the plan, its scope, and its political marketability. Mm. You know... Hillary is a lot of things. Yes. And continues to be a lot of things. Yes, she is. But there's something to the fact of she can't quite ever shake not being shady. <laughs> yeah. Another thing with Hillary Clinton is I think she she's she's got some good qualities. Actually, there's actually a video going around of her playing, you know, um oh what's that? Dominoes with some people. So she's a real person, you know. Yeah. She but I think she just makes more political mistakes than her husband does. Yeah, 100%. She just she just doesn't... And this is going to... I'm not trying to sound sexist here. Sometimes the way she presents herself doesn't come across as genuine to the American people. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that's sexist yeah. at all. There's plenty of like non-genuine uh, political figures. Yes. Um, and, uh, okay, for, uh, wasn't Clinton in an Aogram 3, uh, Bill? Uh, he was a 9. Actually. Oh, he was a 9. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Because like, he's definitely more of like the knows what to say to placate people yes whereas hillary i would i would guess i don't i don't know what she would be actually i'm gonna look it up because like i i feel like i feel like she could almost be an eight honestly yeah hillary clinton so just to kind of talk a little about hillary she is an interesting political figure and she's unique in the sense that here we have a first lady who is actually a political force Mm. and i think obviously there's a lot of sexism in america but in the 90s, we kind of, we were we foolishly thought, oh, we're kind of over sexism. You know, we're done with it. Kind of like we were over racism. Yeah. But then Hillary decides, all right, I'm going to try to be basically the boss lady. And it doesn't turn out well. 
She was, yeah, she was a decade or two too early. Yeah. Um, so Hillary's a type one, which actually does make sense. That does make sense because she's very policy focused and very, very black so. and white. Yes, like very like perfectionistic. Yes. She's an interesting figure, and I'm sure she will come up later, I'm sure. Oh, at some point. At some point. I can't quite put my finger on it. The only glass ceiling (laughs) you'll find is my ass pressed against it. (laughs) We're just going to, like, play that whole epic rap battle and uh, just... just, all copyrights be damned. Yeah. For context, there's an ep- YouTube channel, Epic Rap Battle. There's one called Hillary versus Donald Trump. It's the best one. It's incredible. You need to go listen to it. Like it will, it will make people on both sides clutch their pearls, and it's yep. amazing. Yep. So anyway, what's what's some other facts? All right. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the health reform, since it's kind of like the biggest like domestic blunder yeah. that they had. The final product was a massively complicated and sophisticated measure. Mm. Complete, completely beyond the reach of the average citizen to comprehend. Nearly 1,350 pages long. Oh, boy. The proposal had taken much longer to produce than originally imagined, just like our fan fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to write some presidential fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> and Bill Clinton said to Shadow the Hedgehog, <laughs> I never inhaled the emerald, the chaos emerald, but I did smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Some critics immediately complained that the president had misstepped and not going to the public with the broad outlines of the plan that then could have been worked through the congressional committee process. You see, Bill, you gotta stick to the plan. Yeah, and that's a pretty big blunder, that you take this huge thing and you don't let Congress work on it. Basically the cornerstone of your, like, domestic policy. Yes. Although Clinton's September 93 speech on national health care effectively dramatized the need for reform, Republican opponents lashed out at the plan's size, incomprehensibility, and threat to small business and individual choice. Of course. A consortium of health insurance companies funded a series of sophisticated negative TV ads featuring, quote, Harry and Luis, a middle-class couple deeply worried about losing the quality health care they had come to expect as Americans. Mm. The big bad Democrats are going to take your doctors away from you. Yes. The coordinated Republican attack was greatly assisted by the outbreak of the Whitewater investigation. This is their uh, attack uh, against health care. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their Whitewater investigation and the suicide of White House aide Vincent Foster. A distraction that put the Clinton administration on the defensive. No extreme seemed out of bounds in attacking the president and first lady. Conservative talk radio hosts ridiculed the president daily, suggesting that Foster's death might have been resulting from his harboring dark White House secrets. Those Clintons, they're crooked. Yep, and here we go. The hatred of the Clintons. Or even that someone close to the president had murdered him. Mm. Although Clinton had threatened to veto any health care proposal that did not include universal coverage, no legislation ever got that far. By summer of 94, health care reform was doomed. Congressional leaders dropped consideration of it in August. Opinion polls revealed public support for the general principles of reforming the healthcare system, but the but the approval number dropped enormously once Clinton's name was attached to such proposal. The loss of healthcare reform was a devastating setback. In the minds of many political analysts, it was a botched opportunity of gigantic proportions. You know, it really disappoints me how Democrats keep on failing the messaging when it comes to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Like, all you need is, like, here's real simple what it's going to be and here's how it's going to help people. And here's what's happening right now. If you keep it a very simple message, I think that will help rather than making it so complicated. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, I'm going to go through some, like, other stuff 
where like people were attacking the Clintons. Mm-hmm. But if any of this encroaches on your stuff, you just say pause. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. So the earliest sustained attacks on Clinton were those that charged him with a cover-up of financial impropriety mm-hmm. in his Arkansas investment pri- investments prior to becoming president. The issue involved a failed savings and loan company operated by Clinton business associates, James and Susan McDougal. <laughs> <laughs> McDougal. That's a, that's a shady name, if, yep. if I do say so. Who had engaged in questionable business dealings <laughs> involving real estate on the Whitewater River in Arkansas. <laughs> this sounds like it needs to be an HBO show. It does. Questionable dealings. <laughs> Once credible charges of impropriety were made, Clinton's Attorney General, Janet Reno, named a special counsel, Republican Robert B. Fisk Jr., on her own authority to investigate. Not long thereafter, President Clinton signed into law a statute reauthorizing the naming of independent counsels. A three-judge federal panel subsequently claimed that Fisk had a conflict of interest because the president's own attorney general had appointed him. Mm -hmm. And so it removed Fisk and replaced him with Kenneth W. Starr. Starr was an attorney and former federal judge who had also been retained by various conservative clients, including corporations such as tobacco firms that had actively opposed parts of the Clinton agenda. Searching for evidence of of crime and cover-up, Starr began an open-ended inquiry into every corner of Clinton's life, revisiting issues Fisk had ultimately settled in the president's favor, and ultimately reaching similar conclusions on those mats as his predecessor. No stone was left unturned, including an unprecedented subpoena of the First Lady to testify about lost billing records from the Rose Law Firm. This would not be the last time that Hillary would have to uh, talk about records or Uh, emails. (laughs) Um... So she was a she was a partner in this law firm too mm-hmm. that mysteriously turned up in the residence area of the White House. Personal or business associates of the Clintons, past and present members of the president's political staff and administration, and just about anyone who might have knowledge of their private and public actions were subject to subpoena as witnesses to be questioned. Any criminal actions uncovered in the search for evidence against Clinton were subject to prosecution regardless of their links to Whitewater or to the president. Defenders of the president and of the institution of the presidency decried excesses in these investigations as detrimental to justice and to the fair functioning of the political process. Hmm, interesting. Starr defended his actions as essential to getting at the truth of what the Clintons had done on a series of questionable legal and financial transactions. Although the Clintons were were, uh, generally able to weather the storm, they spent much of their time assembling their defense. Beyond the Whitewater Affair, the president suffered a major setback on May 27, 1997, when the Supreme Court ruled 9-0 in Clinton versus Jones that the sexual harassment suit Paula Jones, did you talk about her? A little bit, yes. All right, um, brought against the president, could go forward while he was in office. The court reversing the the closest pre- precedent, Nixon versus Fitzgerald, held that the president could easily defend himself without being overtly distracted from his official duties. The court was proved to be wrong in this assumption. (laughs) (laughs) By 98, the Republican offensive that captured both houses of Congress in 1994 had run out of steam. Not only did the Republicans lose the presidential election of 96, but they also lost public support by overplaying their hands in the impeachment of a popular president during times of prosperity. Yes. As a result, the nation settled for compromise or deadlock for the last two years of the Clinton presidency. During this period, the administration decided that it could best achieve some of its policy goals through executive order. Mm. For example, the president signed several proclamations in 2000, creating national monuments out of vast expanses of the American West. Of course, as they were just 
to, as they were to discover in subsequent years, anything done by executive order can also be undone by an executive order. That's true. If a succeeding president is so inclined. In one remaining area of executive authority, the president sparked a final controversy. In the dwindling hours of his term, Clinton issued 140 presidential pardons, several of which drew he- heated criticism not just from the president's usual opponents, but also from some supporters. Oh boy. The most controversial was the pardon of international fugitive Mark Rich, whose ex-wife was a prominent Democratic fundraiser. Few questioned the president's authority to exercise his constitutional power, but many believed that the authority had not been widely used in several wisely used in several states. And those the Clintons just can't help themselves. They really can't. They, they they always got sticky fingers. Yeah, they always got sticky fingers. Whether it's some sort of messages here, some weird stuff here. Yep. You know. Cl- Clinton thus left office dogged by charges of scandal that had been a staple of his time in the White House. Yeah, Bill Clinton, interesting guy. Definitely, it's like, okay, his presidency almost kind of reminds me of Jimmy Carter's. It does. In a way of, like, they both kind of had opposite moral issues, mm-hmm. but, like, they both just could not get out of their own way. Yeah, they just kept on stumbling and doing all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, Bill Clinton won re-election because he was handsome. Yeah, and he was smart. He knew and, how to and I that. mean, something that I think we shouldn't uh, gloss over is that, like, the 90s saw, like, a big economic boom. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, I mean, America had no major enemy. The Soviet Union was gone. Yep. So, all right. So before we get to the scandal, let's talk about State of the Union, the Waco Siege. Oh, man, we're talking about all it. All right. So guy named David Koresh, whose actual name was Vernon Wayne Howe, was a man who was very interested in two things, religion and sex. Uh-oh. His mother was a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh-oh. However, as a young man in this church, he read Isaiah 34, 16, which said, None should want for her mate. And convinced this was a sign from the Lord, he approached the pastor of the church and said, Your daughter will be my wife. Oof. The pastor then threw him out and excommunicated him immediately for well, all this. You, well, you know, for all the stuff we hear about, like, church enabling, like, toxic abuse of men, this is a, this is a good example of yeah. him not doing that. Yeah, it's a very good example. Though, after being tossed out... <clears throat> Koresh moved to Waco, Texas, where he joined the Branch Davidians, which was an offshoot of the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was an offshoot of the SDA Church. For some reason, I thought he founded that, so that's kind of interesting that he just kind of hooked up mm-hmm. with him. Now, once there, he claimed that he had the ability to prophesy. He believed he would lead the congregation to Jerusalem to set up a divinic kingdom with him and its head. And Koresh is just a form of Cyrus, so David Cyrus. Nice. So Koresh was able to claim the congregation from George Roden through a series of events, including trying to frame him for exhuming a body as part of a resurrection competition. <laughs> Go read about it. It's interesting. That's wild. Getting in a shootout and eventually reclaiming the property since Roden owed lots of back taxes. Now, once in charge of Waco, David quickly made himself the strongman, getting all the men to give up their wives to him for sex as spiritual wives. That is crazy. Or as there, there's this one show about him where, as he said, I've taken the burden of sex for us all. Oh, <laughs> Then, informers said they was beating children and fathering children with underage girls. Uh-oh. While the FBI was investigating, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms obtained a search warrant due to intel that Waco was stockpiling weapons. Gunfight broke out, and then the FBI began a siege. After a 51-day siege, the FBI used a tear gas attack, and the compound went up in flames. 76 Branch Divinians, including 25 children and two pregnant women and David Crush himself, died. That's horrendous. Yep. Yeah. Now, there are many arguments over what happened. 
The FBI claimed the Davidian started the fire, but others said the tear gas canisters were incendiary. These events would later inspire attacks by Timothy McVeigh and the Oklahoma City bombing, as well as the modern-day American militia movement. And this is still a pretty controversial topic. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So before we get to Monica Lewinsky, let's talk about Bill Clinton's other alleged sexual misconduct. Uh-oh. So, Bill Clinton has been accused by four different women of sexual misconduct. First, we have Juanita Broderick, who claimed in the late 1970s Clinton assaulted her in a hotel room after he asked her to go up to the room to avoid reporters where he assaulted her. He said She said he also bit her lip. In 1999, Clinton denied these allegations. However, when she testified under oath, she said Clinton didn't rape her. She argued she only did this to protect her privacy. She would late. She would also claim that Hillary Clinton said during an event, I just want you to know how much Bill and I appreciate what you do for him. And then Hillary came closer and said, do you understand everything you do? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yikes. She also claimed Bill Clinton told her he was sorry in 1991, but she told him to go to hell. Now, Good for her. Now, of course, does the arguments there... Now, let's talk to, to the arguments of why she might be lying, quote-unquote. Hmm. Defenders point out she spoke at a fundraiser for Bill not long after the event. Also, she often varies the month and day of when it happened. In addition, the hotel where it happened has been shut down. But of course, we know, sexual assault victims often don't remember those details, and they may not come forward for fear of being shamed. And like, okay, I, I will mention this, that like, something that I've noticed with like, um, obviously the Me Too movement happened, continues yes. to happen, yes. and I think something to look for, and like, oh, is this like, victim, or uh, survivor, um, credible or not, Yeah, is that... Pretty much every, like, legal case of someone lying about that and, like, trying to, like, manipulate or, like, get attention, quote-unquote, they have a history of doing it before. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, women don't really, or people in general who are, like, sexually assaulted don't just come forward for, like, attention because all the attention is negative and nobody believes them. Yeah. And also, they tend to have more extreme stories. Like, there were 50 people involved or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then in 2016, Leslie Milwee came forward and told Breitbart News that Clinton had sexually assaulted her three times. Ah, uh, yes, they told Breitbart. <laughs> yes, now that... that that's, might, that's a little sketchy. That's a little sketchy. Just the timing of that. Then Paula Jones claimed in 1991 that Clinton propositioned and exposed himself to her. She kept quiet until 1994 when she filed a lawsuit about this. And during this lawsuit, Bill Clinton was questioned about this and spoke about Monica Lewinsky. However, his sister and brother-in-law said this encounter was happy and gentle, and Jones claimed that Clinton had, quote, a deformity on his penis, which was found to be untrue. (laughs) We examined the presidential penis, and we found he has no deformities. Nice. The case was dismissed in 1998 by Judge Susan Weber Wright as lacking legal merit. Then in 1998, Kathleen Wiley accused Clinton of groping her. But Linda Tripp, a staffer who had secretly taped her phone conversations with Monica Lewinsky, claimed that Wiley's sexual contact in 1983 was consensual and that she had been flirting and she was excited and happy about her encounter. Six of Wiley's friends confirmed that she had sought a relationship with Clinton and that she had lied under oath. She would later write a book in 2007 speaking about the Clinton's intimidation campaign against her. Now, other women have come forward as well, including just a few names. Christy Zercher, Elaine Wellstone, Sandra Ellen James, who is a former professor from the University of Arkansas, and Karen Hinton. Now, Bill has denied all these accusations other than Monica and Jennifer Flowers, with a G. 
She was an author and a model, and she said she had a 12-year extramarital affair with Bill, but maintains it was consensual. Hmm. And another thing, so a lot of the women, the women like Jennifer, she will say that like Clinton did bite her lip. So that kind of lines up with one of the early yeah. stories. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Obviously, <coughs> me and you cannot judge for a fact if like who's telling the truth in this. Yes, I will say that if I had a close female friend, I would I would warn her to not hang out with Bill Clinton. Yes, I would too. Like he just has a reputation. Now. Yeah. Are some of these spurious? Possibly. Could be. But I think when there's that many accusations... That's a pattern. That's a pattern. There's got to be some truth to this. So... And also, something that should be brought up, because I'm sure the comments will bring this up. Yes, they will. Um, yeah, most presidents have probably assaulted someone. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, most of them probably have. Yeah, most of them have at least done something shady. Yeah, it's power, right. corruption, all that. It, oh, yeah, it impacts yeah. everybody in, like... Yeah. Now, there are a few that I don't think did, like old, you know, Jimmy Carter. He's a true I think he's good. I think he's good. So, let's fast forward in time a bit all the way to Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump would bring the second debate with Hillary Clinton three women who had accused Bill Clinton and sit them in the front row. Really? Yes. I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. And um, Hillary herself would write in her 2017 memoir, There were times I was deeply unsure about whether our marriage could or survive, or should survive. But on those days, I asked myself the questions that mattered the most to me. Do I still love him? And can I still be in this marriage without becoming unrecognizable by my, to myself, twisted by anger, resentment, or remoteness? The answers were always yes, so I kept going. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And their marriages are subject to a lot of jokes, you know. It's oh, like yeah. Hillary and Bill, they sleep in separate bedrooms, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the big juicy Lewins, Monica Lewinsky scandal. In the 1990s... Everybody grab some coffee, sit down, we gotta have a chat. Yep, and this is gonna be R-rated. I mean, we've both been swearing a little bit more, so we've been preparing for this. Yes, we have. So Monica Lindsay, who had had affairs before, including one with a 40-year-old married man while she was 18... Oh, man. Oh, man. And a five-year affair with her married former high school drama instructor... Whoa. ...began an unpaid internship in July 1995 and moved to a paid post in December of that year. Lewinsky would say that she had nine sexual encounters with Bill Clinton between November 1995 and March 1997, where she would perform oral sex on him multiple times. Now, in 1996, Clinton would claim that he no longer felt right about their relationship and wanted it to stop. But then they resumed soon after, and here's one of the greasiest sexual encounters. Oh, gosh. At one point, this is a quote, the president inserted a cigar into Mrs. Lewinsky's vagina, Miss Lewinsky's, then put the scar in his mouth and said, quote, it tastes good. Oh, <laughs> oh, that is, that is gnarly. Yeah, if you, if, you need, if you need to, you know, wash out your brain a little uh, bit, it's fine. Yep, I need to go take a nice shower now. Just, just picture Bill Clinton and picture him doing that <laughs> saying, it tastes good. <laughs> now, Lewinsky maintained there was no actual intercourse. So, no, like, you know, uh, it, it, there, it was all oral stuff and, you know, handsy stuff. No possibility of illegitimate children. Yes. Although Bill Clinton claims he has mumps which rendered him sterile, but apparently he was able to have one kid, Chelsea. So. Yeah, I was about to say, hmm, <laughs> thanks, Bill. Yeah. Way to continue to be shady. Yep. But Linda Tripp, who was her co-worker, who Monica told about the affair, began secretly recording their conversations. Tripp would then give the tapes to that man you mentioned before, independent counsel Kenneth Starr, and she convinced Monica to keep a blue dress that was stained with Bill Clinton's semen. Oh. She said, don't wash that blue dress. <laughs> Starr added it to his ongoing investigation the Whitewater controversy. 
News of the scandal broke officially in 1998. Prior to this, Clinton had denied having a sexual affair, relations, or relationship with her. And in a famous national address in January 26, 1998, the day before my birthday, Bill Clinton said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Iconic. Now, Lewinsky, funnily enough, actually hit at Watergate with her mother while this was going down. That is that is ironic. I didn't know that. To quote, Bill Cl- to quote Wikipedia, Bill would say later, there is not a sexual relationship, an improper sexual relationship, or any other kind of improper in- relationship, which he defended untruthful on August 17th because of his use of the present tense, arguing, well, it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. <laughs> it was like, you know, because it's not happening right now. No, no, no. Starr obtained the blue dress from Lewinsky with Clinton's semen on it, <laughs> as well as a testimony from her that the president had inserted the cigar into her vagina. Clinton stated, I did have a relationship with Miss Lewinsky that was not appropriate, but he denied, denied committing perjury because, according to Clinton, because he had said under oath that he hadn't had the relations. The legal definition of oral sex was not encompassed by sex per se. And there we go. He's innocent, everybody. Yep. In addition, he relied on the definition of sexual relations as proposed by the prosecution and agreed by the defense and Judge Susan Weber Wright, who was hearing the Paula Jones case earlier. Clinton claimed the acts or acts were performed on him, not by him. (laughs) It just gets worse. And therefore, he did not engage in sexual relations. Lewinsky's testimony of the Star Commission, however, contradicted Clinton's claim of being totally passive in their account, since he was known to fondle her and, you know, just say all sorts of sweet nothings. Yep, I'm sure he was. Now, shortly after all this, Clinton would say during his televised speech, Now this matters between me, the two people I love most, my wife and our daughter and our God. I must put it right, and I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to do so. Nothing is more important to me personally, but it is private, and I intend to reclaim my family's life for my family. It's no one's business but ours. Excuse me. And side note here, my mom said she remembered a video of Chelsea between her two parents holding both of their hands, and Hillary looked furious, according to my oh, mother. Oh, man. I get the sense that, like, Hillary had to have known Clinton yeah. was having it. There was definitely some, like, Jackie energy there. Yeah, but it was more like, well, now you've embarrassed me. Exactly. Yeah. Starr sent the report to the House, arguing they should impeach him for lying under oath and obstruction of justice. The House committee thus voting to impeach him, charging with perjury and and the jury, and obstructing justice and how he dealt with witnesses. When it went to the Senate, it was clear Bill would get off, since many argue couldn't impeach him for just immoral behavior, like that sort of moral behavior. Yeah. Mm. Other Republicans argued, like main perjury and obstructing justice, he was averting the rule of law. <coughs> me. On the first count, 45 Republicans voted to convict, while 45 Democrats and 10 Republicans voted to acquit. On the second, 50, 54, 50 against. So it didn't pass. This impeachment went against the Republicans as the American public began to like Clinton more. Oh, man, I didn't know in that. In fact, in the 1998, Republicans lost five seats in the House and made no gains in the Senate. His approval range shot up by 70%, and most Republicans, most Americans viewed Republicans as using the scandal to get political points. Hillary Clinton was also viewed very positively for dignified behavior. So what did I think of all this? Well, she's had a few things to say after that. Yep, so she's definitely been a public Let's look at a few quotes. Sure, my boss took advantage of me, but I always remain firm on this point. It was a consensual relationship. Any abuse came in the aftermath when I was made a scapegoat in order to protect his powerful position. Overnight, I went from being a completely private figure to a publicly humiliated one. I was patient zero. Here's another quote. Anyone who is suffering from shame and public humiliation needs to know one thing. You can't survive it. You can't insist on having a different ending to your story. Have compassion for yourself. We all deserve compassion and to live both online and off in a more compassionate world. She also wrote, and uh, for Vanity Fair, I became a social representation, a social canvas 
on which anyone could project their confusion about women, sex, infidelity, politics, and body image. And she would get called all sorts of nasty names. For oh, example, sure. Howard Stern would have a little jingle. Hey, look at me, I'm Monica Lewinsky. They print pictures of my fat face and my do. Though I've barely finished school, I still know the golden rule. Do on others, then, you, then have them do you too. Oof. Yeah, Howard Stern was known for that sort of stuff. Yep. Now, Monica herself has done pretty well, having her own fashion line, and she famously said, well, it's time to clean the blue dress and move on. <laughs> so a few concluding notes about this. So in many ways, this event helped Bill Clinton, but for a weird reason. So Kristen Dumetz, who's a writer I mentioned a few times, points out in her book, Jesus and John Wayne, the Democrats at this point were viewed as flaccid and wimpy, but Bill Clinton's suave ways and his sax appeal made him appear more manly. <laughs> and many Republican religious leaders backlash against him. There was a hint of jealousy in their condemnations. Ooh. It's like, man, Bill Clinton, he can do what we want to do. <laughs> Women want to be with him, and men want to be him. Mm -hmm. So a few notes about Bill. Overall, I think it's obvious Bill Clinton's made some huge mistakes. Yep. And some of them probably either blurred line consent or ran right over it. But was this Bill worse than Cosby? <laughs> Only history will tell. And a few notes of Bill Clinton after his presidency. He would then move to Chequaka, New York, where Hillary Clinton became senator of New York the year he left office, 2001. Hmm. So she started her political career quickly. Yeah. He maintained a speaking schedule, write memoirs, and worked for the Clinton Presidential Foundation, which aims at tackling AIDS, racial and ethnic reconciliation, and promoting economic empowerment of poor people. And that's Bill Clinton, ladies and gentlemen. Much to deliberate yes. on. Hmm. So, when it comes to ranking him, there's a lot of places he could go. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to be that high, though, I'm just no, going to say. No, because, I mean... Like, in terms of interesting presidents, he's up there. Yes, very he's interesting. very interesting. Um, definitely, like he's definitely one of one. Yeah, but when it ultimately comes right down, his effectiveness is questionable. He's made a lot of mistakes, and his his moral character is questionable, which is something we do balance. Yes, yes. Um, and it's just like asking, like, can you write the story of America without Bill Clinton? I mean, yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> he was certainly part of it. Yeah, Because yeah. he's the after Reagan. I think that might be kind of why he's viewed as a boogeyman by Republicans, because mm -hmm. he ended the era of Reagan, but... Mm -hmm. I feel like in order to be, like, A and above, you gotta, like... You gotta, like... The answer to the question is no. It, American history cannot be written without you. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's other exceptions. Like, it can't be written without Andrew Jackson, either. <laughs> no. So, I... Okay. He's not F tier. No, no. I don't think he's D tier. He's certainly better than Richard Nixon. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I would say Richard Nixon was more effective. Yes. In certain avenues. Yes. And, it, like, more morally, it's kind of a push. I say morally, Bill Clinton has a slight edge, because, I mean, Richard Nixon literally committed, you know... Treason. A, a treason. That's fair. Whereas Bill, you know, was just kind of slippery. Yeah. Slick will, as Russian yeah, he was, he was, he was slimy, like... He, he was slimy in a Kennedy way. Yeah. D despite the fact that people just almost never equate them. Yeah. I actually have a, a position where I think he'd be in. Mm, let me take a look at B tier here. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I, okay. think, I, I, think, I, got an, I think I got an idea. Okay. I say put him right under Woodrow Yep, Wilson. I was thinking the same uh, thing. Yes. So let that be aware. We have ranked both Reagan and George H. Bush above 
Bill Clinton. Yep, yep. Well, we are not just triggered liberals. No. I mean, I guess we get our conservative cards now. Yes, we do. We are we are card-carrying members of uh, the NRA. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I think you have to look at effectiveness. And, I mean, yes, it's getting harder and harder for presidents to become effective. I think that's a good still, point. Bill Clinton, you know, he was... He just he was just okay, you know? yeah, yeah. Cool. Like I think that um, Bill Clinton's kind of the poster child for like when you're evaluating a president, you really can't give him that much credit for the economy. Yeah, you really can't. Like either like credit or like blame for it. Yeah, unless you're like Herbert Hoover, <laughs> then you just really muck it. Up. Yeah, yeah. Then you just deserve to be roasted. Yeah. But do we have a final caucus? I believe we might just have one. Excellent. So um, I went I went more political as opposed to like scandal for this one because we've talked about scandal stuff oh, before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the question is, Bill Clinton is very much considered a moderate left president, but would he be considered Republican by modern political discourse? Ooh, very interesting. Well. I think it depends how you look at it. I think he wouldn't be considered Republican and wanting to raise taxes on the wealthy. Yeah. I think him wanting to cut back on welfare, absolutely. And him willing and him wanting to like balance the budget and be fiscally conservative. Oh yeah, like that is sort of that's basically become almost a Republican talking point completely. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. fact that he put that much effort into that, I mean it is, an, it is a big... It is an accomplishment. I'll give him credit for that. But it's certainly not like a left-wing talking point anymore. Yeah. It's barely a Republican talking point anymore. No, yeah. It, it, it's not sexy. Yeah. It's a neocon thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Trump didn't care about the deficit. Are you kidding me? Nope. He spent a bunch of money. Yeah. The only one who cares about that is the Mitch McConnell crawls out of his turtle shell every once in a while. <laughs> but what do you think? Do you think he'd be considered a Republican? Um, I think that... Uh... Honestly, I think he would, and I think, um, I don't know, I don't know if he would, like, align himself with the Republicans, Yeah. because I think that definitely his post-presidential, like, career kind of shines more on the fact that, like, he does have some core, like, liberal, like, progressive values, but I think that him just kind of aligning with some of the more conservative stuff was more just him being a crafty politician. Oh, yeah. Here's here's sort of a side question that, do you think the reason why the Democrats have began to drift left, and they've they definitely drifted left from the 90s. Do you think part of that is because the millennials grew up during the Obama years, which at least had that air of, we're going to change things? Yeah, yeah, I think that's... Change, that, hope, you know. I think that's definitely part of it, and I think that, um... I think something that we've, we've found throughout, like, political history with America and, like, political party history is yeah. that, like, they go, they go through cycles where, like, mm-hmm. parties form... They kind of are fairly similar, then yes. they start to drift yes. to extremes. And then eventually, one of them splits apart, or dies, or changes drastically. Yes. And then they kind of come back to center. Yes. So we're definitely in the drifting action, and uh, Brad, bonus bonus question, uh-huh. which party's going to fold first? Oh, okay. Because like, I think that um, on one hand, there is the argument to be made that like Republicans are definitely more volatile. Yeah. But there's also the fact that Democrats are seen as a lot more, like, weak-willed. Yeah, I think there are a number of ways you can look at it. I think both, in 2016 especially, we began to saw the pressure points. Like, we saw the fact that, you know, Bernie Sanders, who, like, a Democratic Socialist running, like, even four years ago, would not have done as well as he did. Yeah. 
to be a legitimate challenge to Hillary Clinton and to damage her so much. But with the Republicans, you see how the split happened right in 2016, where Donald Trump came in and ran over everyone else. I think... Like, we might never have a Mitt Romney-type candidate win ever again. No. It's it's tough. I think there's a big possibility it might be the Democrats first. Mm-hmm. I think just because the Republican Party has drifted so far to the right. And, like, one thing that you have to commend the modern Republican Party for is we all thought they were going to splinter because of Trump. But they all eventually united under, like, this very reactionary, like, bully platform. Yes. And they're one united, like, voter base. Whereas, like, Democrats are like, well, you know, we got a lot of moderates— we got a lot of people who, like, might not show up and vote on Election Day. Yeah, Democrats need to have a stronger message, for sure. And, like, that might just stem from they need a stronger personality to run. They do. Now, Donald Trump will ca- does cause some problems for the Republicans. Oh, 100%. And I think that eventually the Republican Party will fail because of it. Yeah, eventually just the fact that they have all these demagogues running in and out, that's going to cripple them. Yeah. I can see yeah, I can see the Democrats having some trouble coming up. Mm. Hopefully not, but you know. As we are both Democrats. We're both triggered liberals, obviously. <laughs> but that was Bill Clinton. But next next time we're gonna tackle a true behemoth. Dub yeah. Bring all your Bushisms, you know. <laughs> Ask the question, is our children learning? <laughs> OBGYN should be able to practice their love with women. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about steel beams. Yeah, steel beams. It's going to be crazy, but stay tuned for that, and thank you for joining us. Once again, I'm Bradley Cooper. And I am Curtis Cooper. Stay ranking. Rank!